FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome back to Castaway, our podcast, and we have a great team back again, myself, Chris. Uh, we have Kerry and Tom also. Hello, guys. Morning, guys. So after a brief hiatus holiday, uh, I thought it'd be interesting to go through a bit of the news that's happened since I've been away, just just very quickly. There's been quite a bit of it, sir. Certainly. So here we go. So what's happened since I've been away? We've had fighting erupt in Azerbaijan between the enclave of ethnic Armenians and the government. Uh, Macron has visited Belarus. Uh, opposition leader in Lithuania. Uh, Donald Trump has got COVID and then reportedly recovered well. He's left hospital, at least. I think that's highly questionable. Yes. Um, He's also nominated his candidate for vacancy on the US Supreme Court. Uh, Lebanon's failed to form a government. Amnesty International has closed its office in India, citing the government closing their bank accounts. Uh, Shell has announced a 9,000 job cut. TikTok ban has been halted by a judge over the doubt over the law banning it. Uh, Disney's laid off 28,000 workers. Uh, VW has invested $17 billion in China for electric cars, trying to compete with Tesla. Uh, the House Democrats have unveiled a new $2.2 trillion stimulus package after the last one was rejected by the Republicans. And we've had our first presidential inverted columns debate. Uh, and Christmas has been cancelled, Chris. Christmas has been cancelled, especially, yeah, yeah. It's, it's winter of discontent. But uh, a, few, a few things that have happened since we've been away. But uh, anyway, straight into our markets, what uh, people are obviously here to listen about. So let's go over some of the indexes, uh, what we've seen over the week and, and changes. So let me start in terms of oil and products. So Brent, uh, last Tuesday, 41.56. Uh, yes, last night was 42.65. That's up 2.6%. In terms of the fuel oils, Sing 380 seen a uh, decrease in 1.72% uh, to 239.66 last night. Uh, the Rotterdam equivalent high sulfur fuel oil has been up 3.37% uh, week on week. Singapore 0.5 uh, was up slightly 0.9% at 319.36. Uh, and the Rot 0.5% 301.75, which is up 2.9%. And then implied values uh, for those people who are scrubber vessels. Uh, the Sing High 5 has um, moved up uh, uh, 9.76%, 79.7%, and the Rotterdam equivalent up 1.41 at 71.75. Uh, Kerry, what we've seen in the indexes in terms of freight? Uh, quite a lot of movement on the Cape. Uh, the Cape last night was 34.293. That was up 600 bucks on the day, but $11,000 on where we were last week, uh, 45% for those of us who can do math. So... Quite an impressive jump. Um, the Panamax, however, has been incredibly flat. Uh, it's 11213 as of yesterday. Uh, that was up 100 bucks on the day and $30 on the week. So uh, Panamax has remained remarkably range-bound. Cool. Tom, what about the iron ore? Uh, and then on the iron ore, uh, the 62%, the most liquid contract, uh, up from 11895, 3.5% to 123.15%. And the 65%, the slightly higher quality uh, product, up from 129.5 to 134, spot 40. So a move of 3.7% up. Cool, thank you. Uh, in terms of wet FFAs, TC2 has been almost flat, 86.11 to 85.83, uh, down 0.3%. TC5, uh, a bit more movement, 68.50 moved to 71.88, up 4.9%. Uh, the main route was. Liquid Route TD3C 
um, down 0.65% to 26.46. And TD25, for those who are interested, 46 quarter to 39.58, down 14.4%. And to wrap up the indexes, a bit on air freight. Uh, Hong Kong to Europe route is up 2.7% to $3.53 a kilogram. Uh, Shanghai to Europe up 2.3% to $4.01. Hong Kong to USA uh, is up 4.8% to $5.46. Shanghai to USA is down uh, 0.78% to $5.04. And Frankfurt to USA up 0.8% at $3.78. So a nice little review of our indices so far. Uh, One bit of news I think is definitely causing uh, movements, especially in financial markets, uh, is that of the stimulus package in the US, $2.2 billion. But Trump came out and said that no more discussions on this until till my election. And then has retracted that, hasn't he, Tom? Or to a certain extent. Yeah, so it was peeled back uh, this morning to some degree. He said that there may still be a package available for airlines uh, and a couple of other industries. So not a complete repeal as we were being told it would be last night, um, but still, I think, a long way from anything actually being done. If you drill into some of the articles that are being published about it, whilst there's still a big delta between what the Democrats are wanting to offer, the $2.2 trillion and, and what the Republicans are willing to offer, I think around $1.6 is a big delta there. But I think a lot of the holdup is around what that money will actually be spent on, uh, even if they can agree a, a top line number. But it, yeah, it's headline roulette again, really, uh, with sort of the Twitter coming out of uh, out of the Oval Office uh, or wherever he's held up at the moment. Um, and yeah, really, really moving the markets quite aggressively. Again. I'm sure we get a lot more of that pinball stuff before we get to the uh, 3rd of November. I think there, there were four, 40 tweets in the space of two hours last night. Cool. Well, we know what some people do with their evenings. Yeah, um, well, we, we know that he's having a good time on the steroids they've given him. Yeah, anyway, well, let's move off uh, Kerry's favourite politician uh, onto his markets. <laughs> markets. So, um, Tom, what we've obviously seen a little bit push up in terms of uh, those indexes week on week. Uh, why? Uh, well, I think it's golden week this week, as I think we touched on last week, um, which means China is basically on holiday uh, for the whole week and into... Golden week starting on Friday of last week, there was a real, real squeeze on the onshore uh, products, uh, which drove drove the market very, very aggressively north over a very, very short period uh, on Thursday or Wednesday afternoon, um, which sort of belies the the sort of fundamentals that the market I think is now starting to bring into focus. I think given China's not in. Um, a lot of chatter has started this week about whether the, the sort of price is sustainable at these levels. Um, I think broad consensus is people think that it's not. And people are now starting to talk about uh, two do- uh, two digit iron ore again, so below $100 uh, again. I think that that talk is being driven largely by Vale uh, bringing on some more tonnage. And if you look at their export figures and Australia's export figures over the last uh, week, last few weeks and last couple of months. Uh, Brazil uh, set a record high for the month of September um, uh, or recent record. And I think the second highest ever deliveries or exports from Brazil uh, yeah. over, over the course of September. Australia, Port Hedland, their biggest export port for ore has been smashing records as well. 
busiest of the month in June and September figures likely to, to be a new high for September as well. So there's huge amounts of volume being pumped uh, into the market. And if you look at the demand side, steel output uh, in China is is still there, but it has its biggest ever stockpile of rebar uh, that it's ever had well, this time of year. I think here it's, it's something like double the, the median for the last few years, isn't it? More than twice the five-year average, yeah. yeah. So, so just, it's just to pick up on the um, uh, Vale stuff, because we were obviously looking at those figures uh, weeks ago and going, this is going to be a serious um, in- increase in, in production that's needed to be able to fulfill the levels they're going to see. Are we going to get anywhere near that? Are we moving towards those levels of, you, you're saying that obviously recent record, second highest ever, will they get anywhere near that? Figure that they said they would. I think they'll get above their above the three hundred million tons by the looks of things. But their original forecast was three ten to three thirty range. I think that will still be a stretch. But I think it's probably more than the market was maybe pricing in. And and I think everyone's sort of anticipating weakness in Q four and probably off the back of a, a, a dead week this week in terms of index and Chinese activity. Uh, I think people are are likely expecting a, a significant shunt down uh, in the coming weeks, if not directly next week. I think one figure that is worth noting, um, the Australian uh, budget was released last week uh, and they is a naturally conservative estimate. It's a government budget, uh, but so much of um, Australia's budget is, is funded by iron ore um, that it's, it's worth taking note of. They're forecasting a price of iron ore at the end of Q2 next year of $55 a tonne, um, so less than half from where we are now. That's obviously a conservative figure, so I wouldn't yeah. expect it to go that low, but it's a significant chunk from where we are currently. I, I think that it's important to remember that Vale, first off, did reduce that upper end of the target slightly. I believe yeah. they revised the production target to 310 to 320, right? Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. And so that seems that range seems very achievable now, I think, for them. Um, I am actually hearing some rumors from a from a friend in Brazil that that Bale's had a a, je- a definite change in strategy. That um, they have made a decision consciously to push every available ton out the door, um, even if it costs quality slightly um, or drops the FE content a little bit on uh, on a few of those shipments. And this could be what's been driving uh, some of that incredible demand in October that's driven up rates uh, on the freight as well. Yeah, so we could be seeing some uh, nice Christmas bonuses for all those uh, managers on the Brazilian uh, Mines for Vale then. Be, it, well, there you go. There you go. But, um, Kerry, you were, you were starting to move on to something else in terms of the freight side. So why don't we continue with, with that train of thought? Because we've seen, what was it, 11,000 move week on week? On week on week on the pitch, yeah. So a 45% jump week on week, uh, which, is, which is really remarkable. Um, you know, uh, I don't think anyone expected the cake strength to lead to such a rapid rise at first. Um, but, you know, again, it started with this demand from Vale, um, as, as we just discussed. Um, there are rumors as of yesterday that they were paying $23 for uh, a ton for the C3 uh, for vessels that can make October radars. Um, you know, there are some rumors that 24 has even been paid by one of the Brazilian miners. Now, uh, again, this is also very prompt business, though. I think what's happened as well is the North Atlantic on the Capes has been incredibly tight for tonnage. That's driven up rates uh, on the continent uh, to, to very, very high levels. You're seeing 55,000 
the index uh, for the whole uh, of the company. Um, and that has really taken everyone, I think, a little bit by surprise as well. Uh, you know, especially given, a, you know, it starts to launch talk of Cape Split, uh, which we haven't seen en masse yet, but it's something to watch out for. Um, so, yeah, we've seen a lot of action on that freight, largely driven by the Capes. Um, it's worth noting here that if we look down the curve, uh, there's a very, very heavy discount on the rest of October and for November. In fact, where October is trading now gives an implied balance of month of uh, around 25, 300. And so you're looking at nine to 10,000 discount for the rest of the month. So people are assuming that this index is not sustainable where it is right now. Um, again, the November contracts trading back down to around 21,000 today. So a real, real prompt squeeze then. There is. It's a very prompt squeeze. I think there's a big question mark over how long this can last. Um, having said that, one interesting thing here is that it's not bleeding over into the Panamaxes just yet. Um, you know, there's always talk, especially with rates off the continent now, you know, looking more like sort of triple or more uh, on the Capes compared to where the Panamaxes are um, for delivery off the continent. There's always chatter that builds over Cape split. So far, we've seen a couple of people like Coke and RWE split Capes uh, for their front haul cargoes, but really we haven't seen it en masse at all. Um, and, 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 you know, Cape splits are one of these things that are always easier said than done. I think it builds a lot of optimism around the Panamaxes. Um, but interestingly, like I said, we haven't really seen that optimism filter into a jump in rates that's substantial enough on the Panamaxes. Why, why do you think that is, Kerry? Because normally the big ships have the sort of ability to drag the whole shipping market up, the whole index north, if they're really pumping. We haven't seen that at all flow through. I've been finding that very interesting. I mean, I think, first of all, people are, are just generally unwilling to split. I think this this idea that... that um, people will rapidly split capes as soon as it hits double the Panamax cost is, is kind of has always been a falsehood, right? Um, now at these extreme rates, you would think we would start seeing a few more splits, but that doesn't account for the fact that people may have cargoes that are unable to be split. They may be at a berth that's not suitable. They may be, you know, loading from a port that really only is cost efficient on a cape and it's worth paying that difference. So this is something that tends to drive optimism on the Panamaxes and it has a little bit on the, on the futures. You've seen the futures... For the, uh, for the balance of month for October, given where the futures are trading, uh, they're pricing in about 12300 for the balance of October. And indeed, the November Panamax trading at 12350 now. So, you know, I think you are looking at about a $1,000 premium over the spot right now priced in on the futures. But it's still not as much as you would expect. You know, you'd, you'd think people are expecting this to, to really soar. And at the moment, it's just not happening. Um, it's just not happening at all. We're not seeing enough Cape splits in practice to actually drive that. And, you know, the Pacific on Panamax is also keeping it very steady. It's kind of just been very balanced, even plentiful. So, you know, so I think it's unlikely it's not going to move anything. I'm sure they're looking at that news that Tom alluded to from the Australian government and not looking too positively at Q2 next year either, yeah, especially when I imagine Vol have gone, well, we've done our year commitment this year. We can reevaluate going forward again and Q2 isn't looking too great on that kind of estimate of, of iron ore price. And that's that's really good. And, you know, Tom, I think you probably have some input here too, right? I mean, Vale is giving a little bit of mixed messaging right now, it seems to me. So, you know, as we say, there does seem to have been in practice a change in strategy for the remainder of this year to push out every available ton. 
But at the same time, I see a number of people talking about Valet starting to gradually restrict production again next year. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Uh, Tom? Well, I mean, there, from a price perspective, obviously, there would be some sense in restricting production, I guess. But um, you know, the, we were talking last week or the, the week before, I can't remember, that you know, there, there are these new mines that are forecast to be coming on from Valet, um, which will be you know, a fairly decent increase in, in annual tonnage from them. Um, so I, I think it, if China's prepared to, to, to pay for it, they'll, they'll ship it. Uh, so I think it's ultimately a, a demand-led uh, concern. Um, and I, I think that if we're talking, you know, we're talking about steel surpluses that like the likes that we've, that we've never seen and a complete lack of demand from anywhere to really, to, to really genuinely pick that up other than what we're seeing in, in, in terms of China's recovery. Um, you know, with this second wave that's definitely going through Europe, definitely going through America by the looks of things now as well. Um, it does remain to be seen where that demand pickup for steel and ultimately then iron ore is going to come from uh, in, the, in yeah. the next few months. So uh, it's, I, I think it goes back to what we were saying right at the beginning of when we started this podcast is, is how much can China actually pick up and, and, and if China will keep picking up the slack, then it will keep coming out of Brazil. Talking of picking up the slack, um, why don't we move on to another commodity? So oil-wise, um, has been moving around, especially on the news of, of Trump and the his virus contraction yeah. and everything since. Uh, but one thing which uh, we've been tracking for a little while, which we wanted to just bring people's attention, um, is what's happening on the high five. So the high five being the difference between uh, very low sulfur fuel oil and high sulfur fuel oil, or another name being the, the scrubber spread. Uh, and we had seen levels in January, we do keep referencing it, at like 320. And we dropped all the way down to 50 bucks. Uh, and we are now seeing it move back up again. Uh, so this morning, um, we had uh, the 77 on the sink uh, and up to 70 on the Rotterdam. That's the November futures. So we're seeing that, that spread between the two uh, increase and that's been driven mainly by uh, strength in terms of demand for the 0.5%. Uh, we had previously in the middle of the, the COVID crisis had, uh, you know, we were awash with 0.5%. Uh, yeah. It really, really was depressed and we, we saw those levels come down. That's what slammed it down to, to $50. And also the fact that gas oil seems to be relatively uh, not moving up with it. So if you also look at the spread between the, the fuel oil and the gas oil, that has narrowed considerably. Uh, across September and has uh, somewhat come off this morning. But in terms of if you look across the last month, uh, has really strengthened. We went up to about minus, minus 18 uh, at the start of this week. Uh, and we had been down in levels yeah. which were really significantly negative, like minus 60 at the start of September uh, on the September stuff. So we've seen that really push up uh, in terms of uh, across September. And again, if you're looking at 0.5%, that is... Um, sort of slowly crept up on you in terms of, of prices relative to everything else. Uh, and then just some some points in terms of OPEC and their, their cut. We know we had their original one, they peeled that back a bit, but we are having the finger pointed at certain countries who aren't fulfilling their compliance. Uh, this week has been pointed at Iraq, uh, who decided that actually, no, we, we, we try and do as, too, as much production as we can without getting too told off. Uh, but that has definitely been the focus uh, in the last few days as well. Yeah in terms of country compliance of uh, an amount OPEC are 
are producing. But it was somewhat tempered by the news of uh, Norwegian workers' strike over the weekend. It's a big producer in the North Sea, uh, and that strike could affect up to 300,000 barrels of oil um, in, in the North Sea. Uh, but is, it, is that the main driver right now, you think, sort of keeping rates? I think it's somewhat similar to other markets in terms of this pinball effect. Someone says one thing and then it reverses. So the focus was a few days ago on on OPEC, the end of last week, Uh, Iraq, other countries, um, strong arming by Saudi Arabia, who's basically the big brother of OPEC going, come on, guys, uh, are you actually going to do this? We had previously done more more than our fair share and you're not even keeping to it. Um, And then you had the the Norwegian strike over the weekend. Uh, so it, it's not too much of a movement, and that's reflected in the indexes, which point, I mean, at 2.6%, um, 40, 41.56 to 42.65. Yeah. We, we're caught in that kind of range. Uh, we had a previous range, which was higher, and we've, we've just dropped down again. But in terms of longer-term movements, if you look at the curve, the forward curve, um, high fives, apart from the front few months, which I just quoted, 70 um, rock 77 on the thing. Most of it is around 71 to 75 bucks across the whole curve out to the Cal 21s and everything. It's very, very flat. And the same is true of, of spreads. You're looking at things between minus one and, and plus one on, on most spreads as front months. So it, there's not too much of a, well, it's not reflected in the futures, too much of a, an opinion of where this is going. It's just. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, it seems like the market just doesn't. Yeah, it's just like, uh, is the best description I guess, <laughs> of it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm sure there's things which are happening and building in terms of where this is going to go. There's another news story. I think it was oilprice.com was talking about, um, okay, so we're going to get to a stage next year where you could have a world economy which is recovering, things are kicking off again. And because of that period um, previous to COVID, because the price collapsed and then the real big price collapse in when the crisis hit, the lack of investment in future production and what's happening in the US with lower production as well is going to potentially cause a problem where you have that gap between what can immediately be supplied and what the increasing demand as things get properly back to normal happen. So you could have a situation next year where everyone goes, ah, we've suddenly now got that, not got what we need and that curve will definitely move the opposite way around in terms of flattening and then you're going to get a huge increase on those prompt months as demand really increases and the supply is just really not there. A real potential for next year of some some fun. But uh, talking of fun, why don't we go to something which is clearly not fun uh, for anyone involved, and that is the wet FFA market, which has uh, been flatter than a, a month-old leftover <laughs> Coke bottle, I think. <laughs> those, that, I mean, we, we referenced those uh, at the start in terms of the, the index rates um, for the uh, TD3, obviously one which a lot of people look at. I mean, you're you're in the 20s. I mean, I remember when we, we started this, uh, it was during the Q... Uh, COVID crisis, what was it about Q2, start Q2, when everyone was going onshore, uh, offshore storage, they're buying up tankers, and we went to over 200 grand a day on, on these tanker rates, and now you're looking at a dollar per metric ton, <clears throat> 26 and a half. Um, so, you know, really stuck in the doldrums. The only real bit of news which is happening there is uh, on uh, the the um, storm, the US Gulf. Yeah, weather activity. I mean, it's not as bad as it's previously been done, but that could have an impact uh, on things, especially those clean routes, the TC2, TC14. Um, but it, as, as a market, it is definitely not a happy one and not really much moving on, on things. And is that all? I mean, I suppose that's all just destocking effectively in the floating storage, right? Destocking, the oil market, as I said, being. Uh, 
uh, have not managed to move. The U.S. exports are down. Uh, Weather's disrupting that. So you've seen that in terms of, of disruption on the TD22 route. The U.S.-China, I know we, we talked about the, the U.S.-China uh, trade deal where they've hardly made a dent into the, the levels of oil products that they said that they were by. So TD20 is the U.S.-China route. You know, there's also a huge amount of oversupply in the market as well. Like if you, I, I was reading something this morning. There's scrapping levels of, of tankers uh, or essentially multi-year lows because there there is there is incentive to to keep old ships on the water as floating storage at the moment. They don't necessarily have to move. They don't have to travel, um, but they can be can be used as floating storage. So you have a massive oversupply. Well, not massive, but there's there's much more oversupply from a pure available tonnage at the moment as well uh, than you would normally have because ships are just not getting scrapped at the same rate that they would normally be done. Yeah, no, in terms of, I was talking in terms of a, a physical broker talking about the market, which happens, we're, we're talking about that where they were using all for floating storage, their rates going up through the roof and the way that it had been traded and the way the futures market had gone through, a lot of money was, I guess, put into the wrong places on that and it also came off very yeah. quickly again as well. So that that stung the market and now you're sitting at levels which uh, are not impressive at all but uh, yeah hopefully something kicks off again i know it's been very quiet for several weeks now on, on that market um yeah don't know fun on tankers but uh fertilizer so we referenced the hurricane and that's obviously having um an impact too on the fertilizer business um especially in terms of of nola but overview, uh, urea indexes um, have slid uh, by a couple of bucks, um, all but Brazil. Uh, Brazil's up a dollar, um, and it does seem that that kind of uh, will continue. Uh, indexes printing higher this week with physical done at uh, 260 bucks in Egypt and 270 in Brazil. Uh, but producers are raising their offers um, ahead of, um, of India. Uh, tender. So we've got that there shortly. We'll have India's RCF announced a new purchasing tender. That was uh, today. Uh, the tender is for, we don't know what level, what, what size yet, but uh, we'll be closing on the 9th of October uh, for shipment on the 15th. Um, also seeing expected 1 million tons available in China, 300,000 uh, 300, tons available in Arab Gulf and the Black Sea. We have about 100 to 150 so uh, expect this to be quite a weak price then, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, if, you, if you're looking at the DAP and the MAP, continue to be firm though, and indexes have, have reflected that, uh, with physical supply still looking fairly tight. But AG um, and Egypt, urea have been pretty heavily backwarded, haven't they, as well? So. Yeah, and that's stalled as well. International urea is stalled. Um, so um, fair, okay in terms of, of the DAP and MAP remaining firm, but yeah, urea is sliding somewhat into, uh, into the end of this week. So, uh, guys, any more further points before we do a last commodity on the freight or iron ore? Well, I think that's all for me. I think I think it covered everything. Cool. Well, let's fly on to our last little bit. We uh, obviously had our new section of uh, index this morning, where we're referencing some air freight indexes. Um, what are you trying to Alex's place on the puns here with the? No, no, I would never ever do such a thing, and I could never have such terrible puns. So you can pick. But uh, bunker sea freight volumes uh, have started to spill into the uh, air cargo market, um, which is still seen very limited uh, capacity due to, I mean, we all know what's happened to airlines with, with this crisis. No one's going anywhere soon, apart from Kerry on his holidays. 
Um, but year on year, air freight capacity globally is still down around 20 to 60%, depending on which, which lane you're looking at. But I guess one point which could revive the, the fortunes of airlines is if we get a vaccine. Speed of vaccine distribution, they're going to need to use air freight for a lot of it. Uh, and I know there's various people who have done more in-depth studies on this, if you if you want to go into this a bit more. But uh, this could be... The, the problem with, with relying on vaccines to bring it back to life is that a lot of them, by the sounds of things, will require to be transported at seriously low, low temperatures, like minus 60 Fahrenheit or, or degrees, I can't remember which one, but that requires very specialist... Um, uh, containers to move it and there's definitely not the capacity of those medical uh, medical TEUs uh, to, to, to move uh, the volume of, of, of vaccine that we're talking about so I think that price will get squeezed even more. Um, yeah I mean I, I agree I think that you're looking as well at a situation that's going to echo what we saw in the PPE sort of madness earlier this year when you had every government bidding against each other to get the shipments of PPE, and that included the air freight. That helped to really increase the spike on the air freight, uh, even above what could already have been expected, right? You know, governments pay through the nose. Uh, I expect, should a vaccine be released, then that, that same situation would be triggered again. You just have an international bidding war um, of epic proportions to, to get these shipments as soon as possible. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But again, you know, how can we? The actual, the actual timing of that. That's the issue. So, something to watch, right? Yeah, and I think it will be either a very depressing end of the year or one that could throw up a few surprises. So, we will obviously withhold Kerry's opinion on the November the 3rd, uh, but we will obviously keep our eyes on what's going on with the pinballing activities of that stimulus package, which has a huge impact in terms of the world economy if that 2.2 trillion is agreed. Um, and everything else that's moving. But I guess overall, a picture on most of these commodities looking at our indexes is slightly up, to sum it up in a phrase. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, Kerry. And Tom? Technical terminology, that's slightly yeah. up. Slightly <laughs> up. So if you've listened to it all the way through, you've actually got a sum up at the end. You've to listen to everything, and it's slightly up. Cool. Well, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Kerry. And do everyone who's listening, join us next week for an update of all those freight and commodities and everything happening. Thank you. Cheers, Chris. Have a good one.